0: Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Nathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, Joshua. It is great to finally be on your show. I know we've been talking
1: for a while about me being on your show, so it's great to finally make it
0: happen. Yeah, I'm so excited, Nathan. And Former listeners, you probably don't realize this, but Nathan was actually on my twenty lists of people to have on the podcast when I first started the Aspire podcast. And Nathan, I don't even <laughs> think I told you that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Me and Nathan connected on Twitter trying to just build my PLN and I didn't know many people and found lead up chat. And Nathan yeah. started that up with Jeff Feel and they just did a wonderful job of building future leaders. And Nathan has always been so kind with his words and promoting any blog, any podcast, anything like that. And I I just value you so much as far as what you do for education in in general.
1: I appreciate that, Joshua. Thanks for your kind words
0: and uh, vice versa. So Nathan, before we jump into your, your book, The Teacher of Oz and some of the amazing projects that you've been doing, I would love to hear about your leadership journey.
1: Yeah. So I, you know, I didn't always want to be an educator. I actually started off wanting to be a meteorologist. I wanted to be a weatherman. I I grew up in Arkansas in the right in the middle of Tornado Alley. And so as a kid, I, you know, rural Arkansas, there was not a lot to do. Uh, There was a Walmart, which is always fun to go to. But besides that, it was watching the weather channel. So I thought I wanted to be a weatherman. And when I got into college, they did not have a meteorology degree. So what I did was I chose a science, kind of like degree with the intention of getting maybe a master's in meteorology later on. So I chose a chemistry education degree. And as I got into that degree, it turns out that I uh, really enjoyed the whole pedagogical process. I, I enjoyed learning. I, I knew that I I've, I've always been a lifelong learner. I I knew that about myself, but um, to be able to help others learn, I think that was I finally realized when I was in college. And I think tied to this leadership question, uh, my leadership journey, my first experiences that I, I felt like I served in that capacity was as a lab, a teaching assistant. And, you know, I was a 19 year old and, and the professor asked me to be a lab TA. And uh, I'm like, what does a lab TA do? And like, you know, you, you get the lab set up, you can help your, your peers. And, um, and so that's what I did. And, and uh, I had four different labs that I was a TA for and I, it was a lot of fun, but I, I had the, uh, um, experience for the first time of helping my fellow peers you know, with lab experiments and, and chemistry. And um, it was a lot of fun. So I knew from that point that this was something I wanted to pursue. And so I, I jumped into teaching. I was a high school science teacher. I started off in Houston, Texas. Just, I, I loved the, the the content sciences. I've always been a science geek and a nerd. So mm-hmm. of course, like the concepts are fun, but um, I also like to inspire students and get them excited about learning as well. So I think early on, I didn't necessarily see myself serving in a leadership capacity. I think I was just so enjoying the process of being a teacher, but as the the years progressed and I started working with colleagues and peers, I, I really felt that I had a knack for being able to relate to people. I've, I enjoy the aspects of collaboration. I enjoy helping people, supporting people. And so those I believe are the, the, tenets of good leadership is supporting others and helping to illuminate others work and and the amazing things that they're doing. And so I knew probably like my second or third year of teaching that I wanted to go into leadership and be a principal. And it took a a, a few more years later. um, I had a a stint at NASA, which is really cool. And I got to do some leadership, had a leadership role there. I was an education supervisor there. And so again, a young leader in my mid twenties, trying to, to figure things out. But it always came from a place of uh, supporting others, listening to others, helping to illuminate um, their strengths and helping them to uh, be their best selves and being able to do what I could to support them. That was always my um, stance as a leader. And whenever I received my first opportunity to jump into an official leadership role in a school district as a a vice principal in Clarksville, Tennessee, it was uh, such an exciting journey because we were a school that was doing STEM is the the first year we were doing STEM and no one really understood the STEM back then. We we knew it was like a big national initiative, but we really didn't understand like what it. I think I had a picture in my mind of what it looked like, sure. but then yeah. it was uh, as a leader, you're you ask yourself, okay, this picture in my mind, how does it match up with the picture in the teachers' minds and how can we all uh, come together and decide like you know, come together with common commitments about what does STEM look like? How do we know when we're successful and so forth? So that was a um, a really hard journey of, of hard work uh, to really get to a place where we understood, I think, the impact we were making and then being able to start forming examples like, oh, this is how we collaborate together. and Oh, this is what a, a meaningful uh, project or challenge looks like. Um, so I think anything meaningful is going to be hard. Yeah, so that's that's kind of how my leadership journey started. And, and um, here I am today and, and being uh, an author and um, a consultant and also um, a chief education officer at WeVideo, I find myself in that same place uh, that I was when I first started, jumped in, into my career, um, is how can I help? support others, eliminate their strengths to uh, make a, a, the biggest impact possible in education and uh, helping students learn and grow.
0: Yeah. Well, I love your journey, Nathan, because it's got so many different pieces, your experience with NASA, your STEM, your Google certified, all that kind of stuff that you bring to the table. I love that you you know have that passion for science too. So let's talk about that journey from going from Houston, Texas, as a teacher to then now Tennessee as an assistant principal. What is it? Mm-hmm. What was the, The struggle there, if there was, as a young leader, I know for myself, I had plenty of stumbles. I had, you know, in my first year. What were some things that you had to overcome as a new leader?
1: So I think all of us, it's natural as human beings that we have insecurities that we bring with us wherever we go. This natural part of of being human. Some of us are are, um, have developed some some good routines where we can kind of battle those insecurities and be able to be transparent with those i think that was probably where i was my my very first kind of official principal role was i'm young i haven't taught all of these subjects i haven't taught this specific grade in this subject you know what if someone doesn't respect me because i haven't been exactly in their shoes and so i think people can pick up on that they understand And they can see whenever you're maybe not your most confident self. I think that was a big learning opportunity for me. And the way that I... Overcame that, I think, was being in a place of transparency and and sharing. Here is my journey. Here is what. Um, here's kind of my work, and I think my work speaks for itself. Um, no, I may not have uh, been teaching for years and years this subject in this class, but um, I do have experience with working with others, supporting others, um, instructional, curricular leadership, and um, so. I think whenever I was able to be completely myself and and kind of drop any kind of insecurity about you know how how young i was then i felt that i was able to really strengthen my own leadership skills in the process Uh, but that was that was probably the biggest challenge to overcome
0: after you were an administrator you then were an elementary curriculum and instruction director so what did that position entail and then what was kind of the transition to that position also Yeah. So um, that was really an amazing opportunity. I was in a large
1: district in uh, Nashville, Metro Nashville schools, and working with all the elementary schools. It it was an interesting time because the uh, the state of Tennessee was a first to top state, which meant it was going to receive federal funding. And we had to change pretty much uh, everything in the school system. our, Our standards changed. We adopted the Common Core State Standards, which meant we had to have a new assessment. So we were trying to figure out, are we going to be a park state? Are we going to develop our own assessments? Uh, all the scope and sequences had to change. Curriculum had to change. And so all of that happened at once. And so um, my role was to lead the effort with instructional coaches to determine what are the next steps? How do we design scope and sequences that best meet teachers' needs? So it's working in in district office as such, it's obviously you have to display leadership, but it's one of maybe of a different sort because you are working mainly with adults and with coaches and with other uh, central office staff and so leadership is still involved when you're at a school level you have leadership on a couple you have leadership with your staff and your faculty but you also have to model positive decision making for your students and so you're you are also being a leader for your students as well so that's aspect can carry on to district office. And that's, I think a key is to whenever you are at central office to remember those, what what students need most and not lose sight of where we need to be going with instruction, making sure it's as student-centered as possible and uh, keep that at the forefront. And I think if that's the priority, then we'll make sure everything else is aligned.
0: So now that you're in a completely different position, you're not with the school district. Yeah, you're with we video. So was Mm -hmm. that a hard decision to go to a company versus actually being in a school or within a district?
1: Uh, One really uh, cool thing about my world is that I still feel very connected with schools, because I am still in a consultative or supportive role with schools. So um, like for WeVideo, for example, I still, yesterday I did two professional developments with uh, with two different schools. And so, and we looked at creativity and leveling up our instructional uh, skills and uh, our our instructional priorities. And so working with teachers directly. um, And then of course, with me uh, writing and and working with schools and consulting working with coaches, those are all ways that I can still stay connected to schools. And so it's a hard decision. I think every educator, whenever they jump into the world of consulting or they jump out of a school, Mm -hmm. you always ask yourself that question you know, am I doing the right thing? My passion is teaching. My my passion is being in the public school system. And I think for me, I was able, and it has to be a very personal decision. I think for me, I felt that I was able to make a a bigger impact uh, because I was able to work with schools in many different locations mm-hmm. and many different places, many different journeys, and be able to share my experiences from uh, when I was in central office and uh, as a district or as a school administrator and be able to help others with my story. So um, that was my kind of personal decision
0: making into the world I'm in now. Yeah, I do feel like you have such a, a broad outreach now to so many people and you're you're making a huge impact. With that impact, I want to talk about your book, The Teacher of Oz, huh, yeah. that you co-wrote with your husband, Herbie. Yes. And I just love this book. And um, I post on Instagram not too long ago, I just finished it. But this was a, a classic in my household growing up. Um, So I love the characters that you've kind of attached with um, the different roles of education. So if you wouldn't mind for the listeners, if they haven't had a chance to read your book, will you just give a quick synopsis?
1: Absolutely. Well, it was all Herbie's idea to write the book. And so I, I always say it's your fault <laughs> for <After> writing <laughs> his book together. Because once once he had the idea, I, I and I latched onto it like I'm one of those like we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. So and he was he was excited uh, to to write it with me. And it was a, a really wonderful idea because the the Wizard of Oz is such a, a classic movie and, and everyone can relate to some aspect of the wonderful Wizard of Oz. With, with the characters in each of their journeys. And there are so many really powerful parallels to educators and teaching and learning. And what we do in the book is make parallels to different parts of education. And each character on their journey has different pieces that they are trying to connect to more there. We always say it's not about finding courage or going on this soul searching journey. Um, We believe that these things are already inherent. It's already a a part of you. It's just tapping into it. It's, It's building the space and building those boundaries. So you are better able to tap into uh, that courage, for example, with, with the lion and uh, the heart with, with Tin Man and uh, Dorothy with the spirit that she has as she's uh, you know, she's, she's very focused on getting home. And so as teachers, um, what is our focus and, and how does that affect everything around us? And, and so that's what we do in the book. We, we go through each of the major characters journeys And we look through the lens of education and teaching and learning, and we look at how can we become more effective educators by finding these, tapping into these different sources that we already have. Um, But how do we also create those circumstances that allow us to see the courage and the strength and the spirit that's already there? Yeah.
0: So as a leadership podcast, you know, I had that lens when I was reading the book and I loved, of course, the chapter of of leadership with the character Glinda. And it kind of surprised me that that was the character that you chose for leadership, but it made so much sense after reading the chapter. So why Mm -hmm. did you all choose Glinda as the focal point for leadership?
1: Um, Glenda is, is really interesting, and, and you have to to fully appreciate actually his characters. I would uh, encourage everyone to, to read the bomb original work um, that was written in the early 1900s, mm-hmm. and uh, you get a better perspective on all the characters. But it's okay if you don't want to, because I we give a synopsis in our book too of the character. But what was wonderful about Glenda was that she knew all along how the Dorothy was going to get home. Uh, she, she knew that. And, you know, part of us is like, well, why, you know, why didn't she, (laughs) why didn't she tell us, uh, we could have, we could have really spared like, you know, the wing monkeys and the trees, not, you know, the throwing apples at us. And we really could have spared us a lot of heartache. And, um, but she, she knew, what the ultimate choice was going to be. But um, she also knew that Dorothy had to discover it uh, for herself because it was all, everyone had a journey that they had to go on. And we knew that at the very end, it was because of the work they did. It was because the experiences and how they handled these experiences and the scarecrow didn't really get a brain. He was already intelligent, but he had to go on the journey to discover the intelligence he had. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Uh, same thing with with Dorothy she eventually gets home and Glenda knows how Dorothy can get home Um, but Dorothy had to go through the experiences in Oz to um, see the true value of home because originally um, she wanted to leave home she didn't have that appreciation for home but she realized that um, there was so there was so much value in in home and what that meant for her uh, but she had to discover it by going on this journey so that's well, that's why Glenda is such a, a great leader. Is uh, she provided support? She she provided help. She you know helped them along the way, but also allowed them to go through the challenge and solve problems
0: together. And that's a great lesson for leaders. You know, especially early in my leadership journey, is when someone would come to my office with a problem, I just would want to solve it for them. Oh and yeah. Later, did I find you know it's better to coach and to ask really important questions, and I think that. Happens in the movie, right? Glenda is always asking really important questions to kind of guide Dorothy yes. in a certain direction, but not giving the answers.
1: Absolutely, and, and the tools as well. And I, you know, got to make another anecdote with the slippers. And in the book, by the way, Silver Slippers. The uh, MGM movie is the uh, the Ruby Slippers. So there are some differences there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the slippers, it, it's it's a tool to help, and and so um, leaders help teachers along the way. Uh, but it's not about. Um, solving the problem for them. It's it's about how can we be, be a partner right
0: alongside of them, helping to find solutions together. Mm-hmm. Such a great and powerful book. So for anyone that's listening, make sure that you're checking out the Teachers of Oz. And I think it's a great correlation to what's going on now with the pandemic and you know trying to find a new environment for education. And you know people are doing such a wonderful job of finding new ways and to engage students online. But um, I think there was so many great lessons in this book uh, for everyone that's going through just a new world of learning. So definitely check that out. I'll have the link in the show notes. And then Nathan, I wanna talk about some other projects that you've got going on. You've got your own podcast, which is with we Video. So would you yeah. mind sharing what that podcast is all about?
1: Happy to, yeah. It's called the Deeper Learning with we Video podcast. And, um, it's, it's fun actually to do this podcast with you. Cause I get to be on the other side of it. I get to be the guest and answer the questions. So normally I'm on the Joshua side of it and I'm the host and I get to ask questions and, and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a really fun, uh, podcast and fun project because it, it provides me an opportunity to learn about others with the work they're doing. And then, uh, more importantly, illuminate the work to others. So again, it, it goes back to leadership. I I feel like it's another leadership aspect of my world is being able to eliminate the, the work of others I'd be able to showcase some innovative ideas that they're exploring in their own school and you know ultimately um, you know the vision for for we videos to help students create give them a tool and a platform to be their uh, the most creative selves and make impact with their voice and so uh, I like to find educators who have a very similar vision, educators who are problem solvers and inquirers and innovators and, and, and doing wonderful things in the field. And I like to learn from those educators.
0: That's definitely something that happens on this podcast all the time. I, I always say it's kind of selfish. I learn just as much as my listeners at having these conversations. So I totally understand that. And I love amplifying wonderful voices like yourself, Nathan. And I Thank want you. to talk about some of your other projects too. You have multiple books out. So if there's one other book that you could highlight to help aspiring leaders, what would that be?
1: Yeah, actually probably my, my very first book that I wrote called Everyday Instructional Coaching. And it's, it is very specific for coaches but education leaders and teachers also benefit from the book because as leaders, we all have coaching conversations. We all have to learn the dispositions of um, how to better support teachers. And so I write about these daily drivers that coaches embody so they can help make the biggest difference and impact on the work of of teaching and uh, learning. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say everyday instructional coaching definitely kind of resonates with that message of support and um, helping to make a bigger impact in our schools.
0: Yeah, and teachers are going through quite a bit right now. So how can our leaders that are listening help support their teachers right now?
1: I think being completely um, available, listening, I I know that may sound a bit Cliché, but you know we can have all the the tools and strategies in, in the world, but if um, a teacher doesn't feel like they're being heard, if they don't feel like they're able to kind of express all of the things that they're going through or feeling, then there's no tool or strategy that's going to make a bit of difference. And so that really is our, our primary focus. Social emotional learning is being talked about a lot and it should be because we need to focus on the well-being of our teachers and students and so i've seen some some great work around this with providing spaces for teachers to share what's stressing them out how how can how can they be better supported and I've seen really successful leaders make those spaces for listening. I want to also say, say too, um, being able to uh, have boundaries in this world that we live in, we have so many virtual online uh, meetings and classes, and it's easy just to roll into the next thing. And you know, you look at your, your clock and it's nine or 10 at night, or you have to get up really early. It's really important so that we bring our best selves uh, to those spaces, that we have boundaries where we... We read or we take a walk or enjoy a hobby. Um, those are really important for us to have our own self-care regimen and whatever works for you. Uh, not everyone's self-care regimen is going to, to look in, uh, the same, uh, but that's really important. And um, if we are able to hold on to you know, commit to uh, self-care, then I think we can better support others and our students, especially during this, this trying time
0: this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast now let's get back to the episode nathan i want to ask this because i i love asking this to all of my guests is for our aspiring leaders that are listening if they are to do one thing tomorrow or next week what would you advise them to do to help their leadership journey
1: yeah, I, I would say probably based on my last answer, just listen, be quiet. <laughs> um, I, think, I think so many times we as leaders feel like others are looking for an answer or looking for um, a, a loud voice to, to say, this is what we need to be doing. And yes, there are times where we have to um, serve in a more direct role, but what we need now is just to have a, a posture of openness and actively listen. And what that means is you you hear what they say, you, you summarize what you heard, making sure that what you heard was what the intended message was supposed to be communicated. And then you, you tell that person what you're going to do based on what you just heard. Um, It it may not require you to do anything. Uh, It may require some think time, Uh, but you let them know that um, you've heard them and you're truly going to act or take it to heart. And that goes a long way with teachers uh, when they feel that you actually have heard them and you, you will change your mind maybe, or you are going to do something as a result of them sharing.
0: Yeah. Communication is the number one tool. I think any aspiring leader needs to, to hone in on because it's in every aspect, you know, students, teachers, parents, it's in everything. Yeah. For our listeners, if they want to connect with you on social media, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, they can find me on Twitter. My handle is drlangrad, and that's spelled D-R-L-A-N-G-R-A-A-D. And then drlangrad.com. I I try to keep that same handle consistent. So Instagram, all,
0: all the places. So if you just type in that drlangrad, you should be able to find me. Wonderful. Make sure you're connecting with Nathan. He is a wealth of information. Nathan like I said it's been a long time that I've been you know hoping to get you on the podcast and I'm so happy to talk with you today and I just appreciate you so much.
1: Hey Joshua it's been uh, an honor to also follow your journey and uh, great to be on your show thanks for having me.